0: A new entry of the high-tech low-code podcast. Today we are going to focus on how technology is disrupting retail and to help us with that we have the company of Technev and Mohamed Ashish. We'll go through the challenges and opportunities that technology provides and how it is shaping the process in retail. Jack, thank you very much for joining us again in our podcast. How are you doing? Yes,
1: all good uh, facing these challenges that we've all been living. Uh, for more than a year now Uh, but uh, all good and uh, looking forward uh, for today's episodes a very interesting topic i would say Mm.
0: thank you and we also have the pleasure of having mohammed joining us to go a bit deeper into the topic mohammed could you do a quick introduction about yourself so that our listeners could get to know you a bit better
2: thank you um i'm first timer in this great podcast so Thank you. Thank you for having me. Been in the software industry for around 20 years and I was lucky enough to see a lot of customers' problems in retail, in different parts of the business, in other industries as well. Been part of this in delivery, in solutioning and finding the right solution for the for the problem from sometimes product management perspective from different angles. So um, I will try my best to give you the um, what I know or what I've seen at least other smart people do do, because I hope I learned a lot from smart people that have been uh, working with. So yeah, that's me.
0: Thank you very much for sharing with us. And now I would like to start our discussion by asking, what is disruption in retail from your point of view? Where does the disruption start? What is the aim of it?
2: I think disruption in retail started long ago. If you look at 90s, where the product was the king, whoever had the best product used to sell most. So Toyota had the best reliable, cheap car. They sold the most. Whatever you do, Toyota is selling the most. And then that changed a little bit starting 2000, maybe four or five, where the age what they call the age of the customer came in and you find a brand you start talking about feedback of users and if they don't like something they leave stars and if you look at the stars and they're not enough for you you don't buy so the customer started actually driving the decision of of buying rather than the quality of the product and that keeps changing and it will keep changing um, starting from the biggest wholesalers to the smallest retailer um, in grocery shop on the corner.
0: I see. So kind of like the customer is, is always right, but taking to another level.
2: Yes. And that's very true. And with, with the increase of online shopping and Mobile shopping and all that—the voice of the customer is clearer to the to the audience, and that makes it way more right. I would say the the customer is becomes way more right than before, although it, the customer is always right anyway.
0: I see, I see. What about yourself, Tiago? Do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I was uh, just thinking about what Mohammed said and uh, how also that there are some. Uh, aspects of uh, what retailers were trying to achieve uh, already some 20 years ago and the technology wouldn't allow them uh, to do it uh, in an easy way and uh, at the moment uh, it's just uh, it's ingrained in the um, how stores are just built and uh, I can give an example it's um related with the, trying to understand the, the buying patterns of uh, of the customers, for instance. It would be impossible, or um, 20 years ago, I I was involved actually in a retail project that was kind of, uh, at the time, uh, just on, on the edge and uh, trying to look at this. But uh, let's say 20, 40 years ago, uh, how would a, a retailer understand the buying patterns of a customer, meaning that... Uh, could eventually have the data uh, of uh, a purchase and so this customer bought a shampoo uh, uh, I don't know so some vegetables uh, but they wouldn't know uh, who that customer was and uh, would that customer be back the next week and uh, what would he buy then and uh, the quantities and uh, so on and put all this in perspective and the technology uh, has allowed, for instance, what I was mentioning 20 years ago was, uh, I was involved in a program that very much uh, was able to look at these uh, using, in this case, the, the loyalty cards uh, from, from the retailer. And that's actually why they were so so much uh, pushing for, for loyalty cards. And they would give incentives for people to use them uh, because it would give the retailer a perspective on, uh, on the customers that they didn't had before they would be able to to link, let's say, these different uh, purchases with a particular customer. And from that, they would understand what they were uh, really buying and how, and uh, they would be able to make cross promotions. I mean, so uh, a bunch of things uh, just with this fact that they would be able to really see what the customer was buying. I mean, nowadays, so, I mean, anyone going to uh, an online shop Already is, uh, I mean, even before we get we to actually visit the stores, so uh, they already know who, who we are. So with all the cookies and tracking and so on. But that, that's one, one aspect that I think was was there already for a long time. But retailers never had the chance to really dig into this.
0: I never took that, that perspective on the loyalty cards because I remember my parents having the loyalty card for the big supermarket back home. But yeah, it's an excellent way to gather data about your customers. I always thought it was to keep you in the loop of going to the same place, but <laughs> maybe there's more to it, for so to speak. In your opinion, how was the retail landscape getting along before the pandemic?
2: I think in in terms of um, in terms of how the retail was responding to the customer being always right as as we were talking, um, there were a lot of, um, mm. I would say, Relying on technology to, to do uh, many of the of, of the um, of understand of, of these kind of, of things of, of tasks of understanding the customer behavior and the buying behavior and, and, and seeing that from first when you are in a store and starting to actually buy a couple of items, and how long do you stand in looking at a shelf to compare, to compare products? And some actually, uh, this, some some technologists started to to try to understand uh, how long people stand on on, on these shelves, to the online buying and how, and the same scenario by how long you hover over um, a specific item on on the website, and these participated a lot in understanding that some products they sell more than the others or we need to do this for that product to start uh, selling and enhancing the customer experience within the buying process and the decision process which which is actually um, I think way longer in understanding than the buying than the the actual moment of buying and you go back with all that to the ever existing problem of the supply and how you provide the supply to the shelf or the supply to the store or to the warehouse that is delivering and how do you guarantee that the customer gets uh, what he wants or on time or at the time they want. Technology has played a lot in that regard, but I think there was a there is still a, a lot of existing problems that existed more with stores open rather than stores being closed in most of, uh, in many countries, dealing with a lot of legacy point of sale systems and data that is scattered and a lot of problems that they have been there for years, maybe with old and big retailers for 30 and 40 years, and they are still there till today. Some of them are trying to overcome these by migrating or by filling in the gaps with some technology pieces that give them more visibility over uh, what they are doing. But the problem is still there, for sure.
0: Uh, And I can see exactly what you mean. Like, imagine, I don't know, I'm going to say something silly now, in, in the 90s. Like you said, the product was right. And I would imagine that the technology company trying to solve the supply chain problem would tell you, no, our idea is the correct way to do it. And then the client, so the supplier, would have to change their methods to fit the technology instead of the other way around, creating more problems probably in the end.
2: And it was exactly, and it was much easier. It's just, okay, this, this item sells more. This is a better product. Everyone buys it. Everyone is talking about it, just ship more of it and that's it yeah yeah
0: oh that's quite a cool cool point of view um anything you would like to have, tiago
2: no I, w- I was just thinking
1: uh, so back, back in the days let's say a few years back but uh, also this is a, an industry where retailer is uh, pushes around the suppliers let's say it has been like that for for many years and uh, how also uh, they would be able to to just Put the supplier against the wall basically and, uh, and saying if you don't give me this specific margin and this specific price uh i'm just gonna uh, empty you from from the shelves and give give the space to, to your competition it's um i think that uh, r- retail as uh, was still very let's say uh not sure what what the best term w- would be but uh in terms of uh, management, <clears throat> it, it was still a, a bit back uh, in terms of uh, lagging in terms of other industries in uh, how uh, the whole supply chain and the relation with suppliers, etc. was dealt with and even between retailers and customers. So a little bit of what Mohammed was saying of our retailers were just kings. Uh, I mean, they would push suppliers the same way they would decide for, for customers what, uh, what they would be buying. So they would just... Uh, take the decision of what was uh, ending up on the on the stores, but um, we certainly, uh, I mean, have faced a significant uh, change uh, during the pandemic. Obviously, just starting for for the fact that uh, people were forced to uh, to buy online and uh, not uh, uh, going to 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 the shops. Some of them, uh, although uh, essential shops, most of the times did remain open, but. Uh, we saw how uh, logistics were not ready. Uh, there weren't enough uh, uh, delivery slots, for instance, for everyone. Uh, so not everyone would be able to get the delivery. So they would still need to go uh, to, to the supermarkets. But, but it has forced many people, at least, to, to visit the online stores. These, uh, uh, here, I'm trying to look from the perspective also of the business, as well as uh, those that end up uh, taking the, the decision of what to buy with the, So the consumers. And uh, one, one aspect uh, is also when the decision is made and uh, uh, the many of the uh, significant amount of the of the buying decision is, is made actually on the store. Uh, looking back, tra- traditionally speaking, uh, you, you would look at the shelf and you'd uh, see, okay, you've, you've got the butter A, butter B, uh, price 40, 50, what, what, what's the best? You make the choice there and you would pick what would either be cheap uh, or just uh, to your taste, unless you were just uh, very loyal to a specific brand. And so uh, that's obviously what, what suppliers uh, try to do. Fast cons- consumer goods uh, try to push us the, the brand for, to just uh, so for people not to, to think about and just to go there, pick up, and that's it. But uh, uh, there's there's been here also, I think, uh, one aspect to consider, which is how... Does the the current situation with the pandemic and people moving to online stores, how does this change uh, the consumer behavior? I particularly personally like to um, also just go around the store and see, because maybe if, uh, if I plan everything, I will have a list. Uh, but sometimes you don't, uh, there's always something you either forget, uh, but when just uh, roaming around the store, you end up uh, uh, finding, it. oh, uh, I, I need this, I need that. And, uh, and also the, that, that is something that uh, traditional retailers certainly try to, to incentivize, uh, to, to promote, which is you live with more than what you thought you, you needed in the beginning when you started uh, so when you enter the store, you're thinking you're going to need 10 products, you end up living with, with 20. And that's also something that the retailer, the way they, they, they create the stores, uh, they will try to push for that to happen. The same will be online, but but it, there are differences in the sense of the, the, the customer is not uh, just roaming around. You there's a tendency, let's say, to go and search specifically what you want. So you have the the, the search field, you, you put shampoo, and then so you you go and get what you want or you just search for a particular brand of shampoo, it goes straight there. So there are certainly differences that impact in the end. Also, what, uh, what are the choices of the, the customers? And is there that the buying decision uh, in on, online stores ends up being more plans uh, than than on the store. It's uh, So there are several aspects here that uh, I think also uh, will influence how different business models and companies uh, end up being successful or not.
0: Funny enough, you, when you mentioned that in a traditional retailer, there there is always the incentive to push the sale of more products apart from the ones that we initially intended. As you were saying that I was going through my mind when purchasing something online, and usually, there, nowadays, you always have, oh, people who have bought this product also have bought this product in combination with this one, you know, pushing more sales. It's an old strategy, but it's still being used <laughs> in today's tech, <laughs> new, more advanced uh, so, online stores, so to speak, right? Yes. The, the question is, are, are those companies also
1: rethinking that uh, or are just they applying the same uh, formula, let's say? That they were doing on the traditional on the yeah. physical stores. Yeah, that's
0: a good, a good point.
2: Yeah, these were the times where bundling was actually done by tape, so they would bundle two products together. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's a good exactly point. so.
0: <laughs> picking picking up on that one, uh, Mohamed, uh, for you. So Thiago gave us a perspective on before and after the pandemic. What about yourself? What are your thoughts of? How retail is after the start of the pandemic? How has it changed?
2: I think that change always starts with how the business works. And the disruption comes Mm -hmm. first in new ways of doing business. It's not about... Many people are talking about digital transformation, digital transformation, and this is what is happening. And it's nothing but instead of signing a paper, it's clicking on a screen. And that doesn't change the way you do business. With the pandemic, what happened is that retailers, and I'm not here talking about only supermarkets or fashion, or even even manufacturers who are actually were trying to do retail directly. um, The way they do business, it had to be different. How would you show a person a car without having a store? How would you try shoes without being in a store? How would the number of returns be? Even in an online shop like Amazon or even smaller ones, imagine the number of returns. Because you don't know, like many people would do that. I've known many people doing that. Going to a store, trying things, and then they go and buy it online because it's cheaper. That was a very typical behavior. Oh, yes. And if you cannot do that, then you need to try, I don't know, each one of them. Oh, no, this doesn't look good to me. No, this not the right size, not the right color. Not, And you start having a, hu- a, a new huge problem of returns. And this forces retailers to do business in a different way and how can i deal with more than one um, transporter of goods to get me the? the, how is the return policy actually is designed so if you go to the shop you need it to get the item exactly as it is and a lot of factors are in right you go you shop from amazon Mm -hmm. today and you an item that you don't like, you try to return it, they tell you, no, sorry, keep it. It's cheaper to keep it. Right, right. So the entire business model is is Ooh. changing and the equation of how can I make profit is actually changing. And you find today that even grocery retailers today that they don't have shops. They are almost uh-huh. everywhere in Europe. In Where I live in, in Berlin, there's Always oh, people talking about gorillas where they deliver in 10 minutes and another com- competitor from the states coming in, which is Flink or and it became a complete different industry. I don't have stores, I just deliver and I deliver in short time. And you find small local ones I'm delivering in 30 minutes, but I have a wider range of goods. So so even supermarkets, even fashion, even all of these that People were targeting usually the entire set of customers or every audience possible. People are thinking nowadays from a retail perspective about where is the niche that I want to sell to and succeed in that? Because not everyone will be living inside the city. Not everyone will accept the delivery charge. Not everyone will accept this, this and that. Not everyone will accept maybe a higher margin on some goods because... I cannot sell things in the, in the at the same price. So people started, I think, retailers started thinking about ne- niches that they can actually sell to, and a different way of delivering and a different way of selling. How can I? Um, how can I actually do the payment? Even payment became different. I've never seen payment associated directly to pull from bank accounts except this year. You've never seen it. Okay. And now it's almost everywhere. You pull directly from a bank account. You associate your bank account to, I think it's one of the habits that, 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 that helps buying more because you don't really see a limited card. You're just pulling from the account and it, pulls a little bit later in the day so it's not an instant transaction and suddenly you find out that you bought things with 500 pounds or euros and you plan 50 so that it's it's a game now of how can i put the behavior of the customer in my um in in a way that actually i can sell more to a specific niche and make the highest margin out of it, and that's a very different way of thinking about, I'm going to open a grocery shop, put every common item there and hope customers will come and buy.
0: True. You just mentioned something that got me thinking, which was the direct transaction between your bank account and the the, the buying. I never thought about that because usually you have, um, I don't know, something like mm-hmm. WorldPay, PayPal in the middle, you know, serving as a middleman. are still middleman. Your purchase, but now they're right? connecting
2: directly to to the bank accounts and if you are buying a little bit of an expensive item they will offer you do you want to pay this in installments because we can get you cre- credit
0: oh credit exactly. making more money for them
2: and that's not the retailer okay. that's the middleman the merchant the middleman so it's everything is becoming the game is becoming different yeah
1: what the retailer wins with that is that people will buy more exactly. because they have that facility to
0: trade true, pay. true. And the other one, well, well, they'll make money by because they're selling you a credit, and that's how they'll make the transaction, or even cover, uh, charge you a fee, a minimal mm-hmm. fee that you won't even notice to for the buy. Welcome to the money, new money maker. <laughs> Moving on to another one. So, okay, about which market sizes and growth potential are we actually talking about?
2: I think it's it's everything <laughs> in the trillions. For exactly. <laughs> And we're talking about the biggest retailers to the smallest ones. I've seen and even big retailers that they are going to different businesses, diversifying the business. This is one of the things that is becoming more and more often now. Do you know that Amazon has renting cars?
0: I do not. I did not. Wow, that's it.
2: (laughs) So they started renting cars in some countries. They are trying it out. And... So diversifying what they do is, is is something that is becoming essential and the smaller ones are trying to get bigger and unfortunately this is sometimes it kills the local businesses yeah. and unless they, they, they compete. But you see a lot of small shops being bought by bigger ones or uh, a bigger series buying another or um, even there are a lot of very small products nowadays coming from everywhere in the world this is um an online commerce for you and they sell it very cheap to small groceries and people just order and some people deliver with bicycles or whatever like within within the grocery but of course it has like is it up to date do you see the products that are actually there on shelf? Like there are a lot of problems within there, but they are trying to compete by anyway because the technology gap and the spend gap on the on on understanding the buyer and and putting the technology in is huge. And if they don't do that, they will go bankrupt.
0: It's a question of survival nowadays, right? Adapt
2: exactly.
1: Yeah, I. It, it's uh, just on on that just. Uh... Giving here an example of what I see locally, uh, where I'm at. Uh, so Brentwood, just outside of London. What uh, what I see at the at the moment happening is uh, that uh, uh, so post pandemic world, let's say. Um, but uh, local uh, local shops just uh, got uh, uh, together and uh, they have now a service that basically so by buy local. And uh, so within, within here, uh, the, the area, so these, uh, um, these shops have uh, got together and they have a delivery. So someone can go to, to the website and, uh, and, and basically buy from those shops. Uh, so they're not part of any bigger groups. Uh, so they didn't have any delivery before uh, the pandemic. Uh, they're trying to adapt and uh, and just uh, reach reach the, the consumers the, the same way that they see the competition doing. Will that work or not? I mean, so there would be several questions to that. It's a mix uh, in a way of also very different uh, uh, stores, uh, what they sell. Could that be something that uh, then together will will just give more choice to the consumers and they will uh, uh, use them or uh, will they try to, to use this just because they know the, the stores, they know the people, they want to support the, the local shops. Uh, is that what motivates them? Several yeah. questions for sure. But, uh, but all, all the landscape of retail is changing at this moment. And, um, and another aspect is uh, what, what so we've been addressing uh, in terms of uh, all, all these different uh, uh, models that we see now popping up. Gorillas is one example. So in, in Germany, uh, the same is happening here uh, in, in the UK, in, in, in London. Most of them just uh, really started to do some significant uh, volumes uh, in, in the last year. The, with the promise, so uh, similar to, to Gorillas, either delivering 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Uh, there, there will be differences between these companies. Do they uh, function in a in a kind of gig economy model, uh, or do they employ uh, their riders? Uh, do they own uh, the the centers, uh, the fulfillment centers, or or, or not? Uh, so there are variations, let's say, of, of this model, even we, within these new names in this space, but. Uh, there's certainly not, not all of them are going to survive, that's for sure. <laughs> so uh, and even the question is uh, does these uh, business models also make sense when, once they, they, they scale and uh, will actually uh, will they get to, to that uh, point? Uh, gorillas is uh, one example that I, I think that uh, it's uh, it, it's cheap, let's say in the sense of the they give choice, uh, they give speed uh, in terms of delivery. And they do it for a price that is ridiculous let's say i mean if you would go yourself uh, to supermarkets, supermarket even if it's just down the road uh, you, you have to spend 15-30 minutes maybe more uh, is that that's probably worth more than two euros for you and uh, that's you're gonna be paying less than that's just for the deliveries 180 i think right now uh, for uh, delivery of gorillas so uh, the <laughs> I think that uh, these these new players are in a way also pushing for uh, a, a change in uh, behavior of uh, how people also uh, are used to buy, and um, and so in, in the end we will see these these changes happening, and uh, one model might work be- better than, than others, uh, and uh, that's what will end up just giving us the winner in the end. Let's say I, but there's a. Um, With uh, just taking the example of uh, gorillas, this works well, uh, serving uh, bigger cities, uh, and that's where they're starting. But what what about areas, uh, rural areas, or so just uh, smaller uh, villages and uh, things like that? It's uh, I I also know of an example in this case. uh, T- trying to tackle this uh, uh, area of the market and underserved, uh, really, uh, which uh, in this case in Sweden, but where, uh, so Sweden is, is uh, significantly big in terms of area, but uh, uh, with uh, not much population. And there are uh, small villages that uh, have uh, the nearest supermarket 100 kilometers away or something like that. So they're not served. They don't have uh, options. Uh, we, we see in Sweden a retailer, uh, its name is uh so I certainly don't, don't know Swedish, so <laughs> might have pronounced that wrongly. But uh, they basically have these uh, sort of uh, stores that they, they built in, in blocks, let's say, like a, a, a Lego, They just so cheap uh, to, to put them together. And uh, they are uh, cashierless, so there's no no people operating the stores. The only thing they do is that they put the store there, they do the delivery to, to these stores, uh, and so they, they do replenishment, etc. And that's it. There's nobody else working on the, on those stores. Uh, but the fact is that they're serving people that uh, are currently don't have an option, don't have uh, a, a, any choice unless driving, so taking one two hours. least to to just get somewhere where they can buy uh, products. So I mean there's always some parts of of the market that uh, uh, will need to be served differently and so I think all of this is happening at this moment and the big cities are certainly uh, easier let's say in terms of uh, the fact that you have millions of people uh, in a small uh, area. But uh, all, all the market is currently being challenged and disrupted uh, with with all these uh, different models.
0: Kind of like a bit of battle royale for what's the best focus and the best model to achieve at the end, right? I know we've touched this subject in the, in, the, in the past questions, but I would like to really focus on this now. How is technology being used within this transformation? Which role will it play within retail in the future?
2: So... Technology has been used in different ways, I think, in the future in in the past and and even in the present. So in the past, and that's something that was common in retail and and, and other different sectors, processes were mainly managed by the software you put in there. So you have huge products from older older ones from IBM and Oracle, all these. Big names and don't get me wrong they were great products like for warehousing and for managing the supply chain and everything but they almost force the retailers to to do the work in a specific way that started to change and newer software is flexible enough to customize here and there and there was um different kind of of um, of commerce and, and and other platforms that that came into play and that technology was always the core of what you have. And then you try to do everything else by either something that you do manually or either something that you try to customize in that piece of technology. And that was limiting um, retailers and even manufacturing manufacturers who wanted to do retail directly, cutting the middleman. Um, that limited them a lot in the last few years I've been seeing um, technology being used in a completely different way so starting from being the complementer so these technologies are in place you cannot escape having proper systems of records in place to manage your your goods you cannot have uh, you cannot, cannot avoid that and You put something on top of that to start understanding the data that you have. You have a massive amount of data coming from everywhere, and you start putting layers on top to start understanding this data and starting helping decision makers decide based on this data. I've seen supermarkets, for example, saving tens of millions of dollars with a very Simple app that was delivered in two or three months, just understanding and predicting what kind of what where are the shelves that can be empty in the next few minutes, and at what time of the day people buy this more, and what if we do a promotion here and there quickly on certain items on certain shelves, and just that in the hand of a store manager, it saved millions for these supermarkets to actually manage that flow between the warehouses and, and the shelves. Um, in addition to the money they make from promotions, etc. but it, it's, um, it, it was, it, it was one of the great examples I've seen there. And this doesn't become only a complementer of, 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 business. It becomes in the essential part of doing, of doing business. We've, we've seen now a lot of, um, either retailers or manufacturers, they are carving out some of the core functionalities of the commerce or retail, and they are doing it outside that. They need the AI part. They need the flexibility of the apps. They need the speed of of, of the apps. They need the mobility. They need something in the the hand of, of someone working in a warehouse or working in a store. Um, they are forced to use less people because of social distancing, and you cannot have many people within the same place. So, how can you manage the same demand or actually higher demand because people are buying more online by less people? And what kind of tools, the tools that that they used two years ago are not serving them today. So having technology today started being um playing a more like technology, so technology today started being um, or starting playing um, a very essential role in how retail, retail is doing business, and I think that's the spend on IT and the spend on on software from retail point of view has been shooting exponentially in the last few years, and I think the, these last two years they will change. The way retailers did business forever.
1: It's um, I've been uh, just uh, looking more at the, at the perspective, let's say, of uh, the business model and the uh, and uh, behavior consumers and etc. And um, this is uh, uh, also something that uh, I, I see uh, in, in regards to to this aspect, which is um, one is there has been some technologies that uh, were already uh, m- mature or so uh, available uh, but uh, they were dependent on people's behavior uh, uh, and uh, uh, how fast they would be used adopted and, and so on One um, w- one trend certainly with with the pandemic that happened was how uh, we uh, we saw uh, people that ne- had never used the uh, systems uh, in terms of uh, payment and reading uh, barcodes on supermarkets, etc. So uh, to avoid uh, social contact, then on, on the tills and and so on. So we we saw people uh, adopting more and more uh, these technologies that were already available uh, in the stores, in the supermarkets, for instance. Uh, so they started to use more and more uh, these uh, barcode readers, where basically you just go in. Uh, You put things in your trolley, and at the end, uh, you already have the list of the items that uh, you need to buy. You can just go, uh, as long as there's some uh, technology that can handle the payment. Uh, You can just go in and go out, uh, and uh, no social contact, so no proximity with other people. All these, these technologies have been, uh, some of them, uh, around for, for some time uh, already. As, uh, and here in the UK, at least, I've, I've seen uh, these uh, for, for years now. But uh, you go to any supermarkets here in the UK at the moment, and you see how all of a sudden, uh, when you had uh, 20 or 50 barcode readers now, you have uh, a huge aisle with uh, 200 barcode readers because people started using it. And uh, uh, at, at the moment, uh, I, I see them not stopping, uh, and uh, so they've got used to it. And so there's been also um, uh, aspects of uh, people's behavior that has changed, in that um, just got them, let's say, to experiment and use technology, and uh, they have. I see them stick to it, and that's uh, also just going to end up uh, having uh, the, the retailers uh, using this more and. Uh, what happens is that uh, uh, technologies at the moment, in retail is uh, employs millions of people uh, throughout the world. It's very labor intensive, let's say, but uh, but that is changing. And um, one one aspect of the of all this transformation is uh, certainly we will see the the number of uh, employees that retailers have uh, reducing one way or the other. Uh, certainly, there's going to be other other functions or other needs out there in the market we just adapt I'm, I'm certain but the same on the logistics chain with um, what we see uh, taking the example of Amazon so everyone knows but they are big uh, warehouses uh, full of robots and uh, more and more and, uh, and less and less people on the warehouses although Amazon still uh, right now employees and is looking for thousands of people because they're growing quite fast but the fact is that they're also uh, on on the front of uh, adoption of technology if the technology exists but people don't use it it's same as nothing
0: so adoption is key here Mm -hmm. okay and and that is all the time we have for today's episode thank you very much Tiago and Mohamed for taking time off your busy schedule and joining us on our podcast We'll also like to send a big thank you to everyone who is listening and hope you can join us on our next episode of High Tech Low Code Podcast. As always, we'll feature more guests and approach more topics of importance to the tech world. See you soon. See you. Bye-bye.